So this is this is the level of ignorance that a lot of the times we live with. I was at a CVS the other day, and there was this man. He was behaving in a very erratic way, kind of going to people, throwing shit on the floor. Like it was, it was sort of like all over the place. And I was like, well, it looked like he was on drugs. So I went to the counter as I was gonna pay, and I said, look, is anyone gonna take care of that? It's like there's some people here that are clearly like scared of the erratic behavior of this man. And I didn't see any of the people behind the counter or security doing anything. And I found it strange. And I went like kind of a little bit upset. Like, why are they not doing anything? And they told me, no, this is actually a customer of ours and he's got Tourette's. He, it's completely harmless. And what would you like us to do? And I was just completely embarrassed. I was like, wow. wow. I, I instantly assumed what it wasn't. Right? You live in Los Angeles. How many times have you seen somebody walk into a store and just create chaos? Yeah. And... um and I was like, why are they not doing anything? And it was a lesson. Wow. To realize a lot of people live with a lot of difficulties like that. And so it's better to, you know, learn and keep your mouth shut sometimes. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, we have a fun little question that we like to start with. Um, cool. We find that uh, one of the more quirky things that people have is what lives on their nightstand. And that sort of defines, you know, who they are. So what lives on your nightstand? My nightstand, it's uh, usually a glass of water and my Bible. Nice. Yeah. I love that. Do you drink at night? Um, occasionally, I'll have like the occasional glass of wine or, you know, I, I rarely have alcohol now. So right now, I just have like one bottle of whiskey that I got from my mother-in-law for as a Christmas gift. And so I'm going through that and finishing that up and I'll have like one glass a day or every, every couple of days. Or, yeah. But, you know, I find that. For some reason, I started, especially when I moved to California, it's, I used to be uh, before I was in the UK and then before I was in Spain. Yeah. So this is a much drier climate. Mm. And uh, I just started drinking in the evenings a lot, like just water and like, not necessarily yeah. like alcohol, but then I just kept waking up in the middle of the night. <laughs> I haven't been able to break from that habit. It is horrible now because my quality of sleep is just like drop dramatically. <laughs> so I was like, you have a glass of water on your nightside. That's yeah. kind of dangerous. Jacobo, <laughs> maybe that's why you're not sleeping. That's that's probably why. Yeah, yeah probably more challenges. Um, awesome, Joshua. Well, thank you for coming, man. Yeah. Really appreciate it. It's great to have you here. So Joshua Smith, the director, producer, actor. Did I get everything right? You got it. <laughs> you know, one of the, it's funny, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine recently. Um, he's um, a music producer mm-hmm. and he posted something on Instagram and said, you know, people are so multifaceted and for some reason we're all trying to define them in individual ways. Yeah. You say, you know, Joshua, the actor and like Rogers, the producer, and like we all try to bucket them because, um, and he was asking like, why is that? And I say, my theory is because it's easier to understand who somebody is when you qualify them in a category. But the reality is that people are, you know, multi-talented. Everybody does many things. Everybody is many people at the same time. And even to the point I said to him, we, the conversation got a little bit more extreme, but I said, even good and evil. Like you've seen people in, the, in history do really evil things that have also done very kind things at the same time. Yeah. So I think people can have both. Um, how do you live with that? Because you do so many things now. Yeah, I mean, that's a very interesting point that you bring up because, um, you know, in entertainment in this industry and in many industries, especially, you know, these past two years, I think we've seen the multifaceted um, thing inside of people start to grow. Many people who were, you know, working in tech, for instance, you know, now they're doing all types of creative things at home. And um, I think 
uh, being a multifaceted person, it's, I think it, it helps people become on, on the surface and I think internally too, more of themselves when they, when they're able to do, um, when they're not, when they don't just categorize themselves in one area. So like, I, I believe, you know, like it's good to be multifaceted and be and you know, and be proud of that. You know, be proud that you're multifaceted. You can do multiple things. But I would say don't wear yourself thin because I did that at one point. I was directing. I was trying to write. I was trying to produce. I was trying to act. I was trying to cast. I was trying to do so many different things in so many different directions, had so many different projects. And eventually, I had to get to a point where I was like, all right, I need to be more specific with what I'm doing. I'm still a multifaceted person, but if I just put that creative energy that's in me into one thing or a couple of things and not 20 things then eventually I can venture out into those things. But let's get something off the ground first. You know, for me, it's acting. Um, and and direct, acting and directing kind of go hand in hand. And I think it's in, in this industry in particular, I think it's important to be multifaceted because it helps you stand out more. I think you have more assets to bring to the table when you're not just an actor who shows up to set. Like when you're, I always tell actors like, hey, when you're on set, Get curious about all the different departments. If you're in the makeup chair, ask about like, hey, what kind of makeup we're using today? Ask um, ask questions that you know the average person that's going to step on set who's an actor who only says, "I just came out here just for acting." That's fine. That's cool. But be curious because you're going to be working 12 hours today with this mm. whole crew, and uh, have a little bit of curiosity. You know, I love talking to camera department. It's one of my favorite departments to talk to. I love talking shop about cameras, lenses. Why are we in this f-stop? You know, like why are we using this particular vintage lens? You know, uh, the other day, actually yesterday, I was on set. It was like a vintage photography lens, but he uses it a lot for um for videos. And I was like, oh, I usually see those in like film cameras, like ones like like um what do you call it, like the Canon AE one. You know, like I'll see people use it on that. And he was like, yeah, he's like, yeah, it's actually a good um, it it went from like, I think um, it had like a long range of like I forget what it's called. So I'm not super knowledgeable. You got Rogers here? If you have any questions. Was it Zeiss? No, it was, um, I think it started with an O. I forget the name of it. I can look it up. It wasn't Orion lenses, but it was, um, it'll come back to me. But anyway, yeah, I, I get fascinated with different departments because, you know, as a as an actor, if you have, I think being multifaceted, it's not just you do a bunch of things, but also it can be you're knowledgeable in multiple areas and that can help you go further along i've had i've gotten opportunities myself because i started conversations with a dp and just showed interest in his work and then later on he's the dp and the director they go hand in hand you know the director's going to pick his dp usually first and if the dp has a good recommendation for an actor and if let's say the director hasn't casted yet it's like hey i worked with this great actor really cool knowledgeable um great actor worked with him on this last project you know they refer you to the director that happens sometimes so kind of keep moving through yeah through the ranks and the different roles yeah it's interesting. I think life is about parallels and totally, you know, s- something you learn in a skill, like whether it's acting or producing or, you know, a technical skill has so many applications to other areas. Yeah. And a lot of times the most interesting, I mean, I've seen this in the technology world. Some of the most interesting innovations have happened where lessons that were learned in a completely tangential category. Yep. And they were brought as a pattern or as a blueprint into, you know, technology, into software, into acting, into whatever it is. Um, so many, of those, I mean, I guess so many of those methodologies you can um, you can bring to the table when you have uh, breadth 
of knowledge. Yeah. And when you've done, you know, multiple things, I always find that um, the life of a polymath, you know, somebody that's like multi-skilled is so much more interesting than when you spend your entire life doing one thing. The question is, society seems to reward those that are incredibly focused on mm. what they do. Yeah. And so how do you keep a balance between doing the thing that you perhaps know you're the best at versus also bringing in some of the things that you enjoy the most? Uh, there's always going to be a sacrifice, I, I think. You you can't have your time always equally split on things. You know, so like for me, if I'm not, let's say, directing one of my own personal projects, and I'm probably acting on someone else's commercial or, you know, modeling in a shoot or on someone else's film and although that does bring a bring me a lot of joy and happiness and i love doing that you know sometimes you have to say hey you know what i'm gonna not work on my like passion projects for a while just so i can work on getting my savings up so i'm gonna do a ton of commercials you know that i don't necessarily care for these products per se but hey you know i'm gonna do that because paying the bills paying the bills and you know it's like me i have agents all over the u.s now like that's one thing i learned um speaking of being multifaceted i learned from a actor I met on a shoot I did in Utah and he was telling me like yeah man I'm, I'm signed to like 10 different agents around like the US and I was like oh really why he's like because if you limit yourself to that one market you're missing out on all these other markets that are out there and this is geographically or geographically. in terms of school? I see so yeah. this is acting agents and one is in each area of the US yeah and they find you opportunities in those areas specifically yep. so yeah That's I have like an agent in in uh, technically two agents in Florida from the same agency, but for different regions, Orlando and Miami. I got one in Utah. I got one in Arizona, one in San Francisco, one in LA. And I'm working on Texas and I'm working on getting into the Vegas market because um, they're closer and tickets to fly out to Austin are like super cheap. And I love that market. I've done a couple gigs out there that, that I got on my own. And I just, I love traveling and meeting new people, getting different perspectives. So that's why I, for me, that's why I like having agents all over because constantly, having auditions come in from different markets and I get to meet and travel and I'll put in a little plug. If you're out there and you're up and coming actor, that's, you know, trying to, uh, save some money, like go, go on couch surfing. You don't always have to get an Airbnb or a hotel. Like True. that's say That saved me. So you meet much interesting money. people too. And you do. Yeah. yeah. I've just be careful. People. Just yeah. be careful. Full you know. disclosure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, yeah. So how did Joshua get into the creative industry? Was it something intentional you were planning for your whole life or was it something like you kind of bounced into it somehow? I kind of um, creatively, how I, how I first, I would say, got more into creativity as, as a whole, um, like starting out was when I would say it was back in elementary school. Um, my uncle was a trumpet player. My other uncle was a trombone player and my grandfather was, he played the piano a little bit. Oh, wow. um, none of them played it like professionally, but they all played it in high school and throughout the years. And so Was I that got, out here in LA or where you? Oh, else? I'm I'm from uh, this small town in Massachusetts called Peabody. Oh, nice. And um, yeah, so my my family grew up in that area, and um, and my uncle that lives in Lowell, Massachusetts, he was the one that uh, put me on to playing trumpet. One day, just had an extra trumpet, and he was like, "Hey, you want to um, you want to try it?" And I was like, "Sure." So I tried it. I was like, "Oh, this is kind of hard." And he was like, "Well, it just takes practice." And he kind of showed me how to do it a little bit, and so. I started off in elementary school playing trumpet. Then all throughout middle school, I was playing trumpet. Then when I got to ninth grade, um, that's when I switched over to playing this instrument called the euphonium, which is like a smaller version of a tuba, and it's more higher pitched. So just imagine a tuba, but just like Can a little bit Can you pull it smaller. out, Rogers? I want to take a look at that. 
It's a what does U- that look like? E-U-P-H-O-N-I-U-M. I have never heard of it. Euphonium. Yeah. That's so interesting. It's 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 an interesting um doing marching band with that thing, like in cold Massachusetts <laughs> weather. It was is it big? It's yeah, it's pretty big. Oh really? Not as huge as a tuba, but it's definitely it's got some mass to it. Is it like is is it like as low as a tuba or like no? It's higher high, pitch. Higher pitch than that. Oh yeah. my god! I played that. <laughs> I've never seen that before. It's like a very complex trumpet. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Because at the time, the and when I got to high school, the um, our uh, music teacher and conductor, he said, you know, our trumpet section's full. Um, cause we were a mixed band from freshmen all the way to seniors. And so he's like, but we have an opening in the euphonium section and we have an extra euphonium. He said, it's just, just like playing the trumpet, same notes and it's just a bigger version of it. I was like, okay. So I stuck to euphonium that year. Then I would, there's a mall down the street from where I live. It's called North shore mall, um, back home in Peabody. And there would always be these people in the mall that would, um, be like, Hey, you want to, they'd come up to you and say, Hey, you look like you could be a model. You know, like you should uh, come and check out our modeling school. So come again in this van. Yeah, come again in this van. We got some candy too while you're at it. And uh, and so they reeled me into the van. Please don't get in the van, kids. (laughs) Reeled me into the van and and drove me all the way to John Robert Powers Modeling School in Boston. And and, um, so I got into this modeling class and tried it out. I was the only guy in a class full of female models. It was a runway class. And... I was like, wow, well, this is fun. This is cool. And, and then, you know, I learned how to walk the runway. I learned how to take care of your skin. Then eventually I got an agent. Then eventually I booked my first um, print job, which was, um, it was for Nerf. And um, I... Nerf the guns? Yeah, Nerf the, guns. The, I was oh on the cover God, of the Nerf so gun fun. box in 51 different countries Wait, around what? the world. Yeah. Josh is actually 75, but his skin looks great. <laughs> <laughs> it's like your skin routine. I'm going to try to find the Nerf, Nerf Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Interestingly enough about that, that story is interesting because at the time I remember my mom asked me, hey, you know, what do you want to do? And I was really enjoying modeling. Like I wasn't really getting many modeling jobs, but I would just get like little runway shows in Boston during fashion week and was working with some local designers, very like non-paid, you know, small gig stuff. And so then my mom asked me like, hey, so what do you want to do? Like after you graduate high school, I was like, you know what? I think I want to continue doing modeling. Maybe one day I'll try acting or something and and uh i remember she said oh like many parents they that care about their kids and and think it's not realistic they say she said it's not realistic you need to find a realistic job so i was like i was i was broken by that when she said that i was so sad and i was just like man like i gotta I'm, live a realistic life yeah i gotta real i was like what am i thinking and so i was ready to <laughs> give up on modeling and then all of a sudden i get a call from my agent she says hey uh nerf wants to hire you i was like oh nerf like nerf guns he was like yeah so i was like okay so I was like this close to giving up like that. Like when my mom said that, I was like, you know what? My own mom doesn't believe in me because I grew up with a single mom. And um, I was like, you know what? Then why should I believe in myself? And so then a week later, I get a call from my agent in Boston. Nerf hires me at the end of the shoot. I talked to the DP and I say, hey, so where's the um, like, where's these photos going to go? And he said, well, they'll be in some catalogs and on some billboards. But more importantly, you'll be on the cover of the Nerf gun box in 51 different countries around the world. Oh, my God. And I was ready a week prior to that. I was ready to just give it all up. And when he told me that, I was like, wow, like my face is about to be worldwide. I can't, I I can't give up now. So I said, mom, I'm going to, I'm going to stay this course. And, um, after high school, I I didn't go to college. I was working at H and M and, um, I had an agent in New Hampshire that encouraged me to 
do this um, thing called IMTA in New York, International Model Talent Association. And they it's a showcase for actors and models and stuff. So I went to that and did better in the acting competitions. Had some callbacks in L.A. I go out to L.A. like a year or a couple months after that um, competition or showcase. Uh, didn't get signed with any of the agents I met with. However, I met a guy in the hallway of this um, one agency office, and he happened to be an acting agent or manager. And um, he walks up to me. He's like, hey, are you an actor? I was like, matter of fact, I am. <laughs> and, um, okay. and I really wasn't that good of an actor at the time. I was just like, you know, it was so green and just did a couple student films, nothing big at all. So then he's like, oh, well, do you have a headshot and resume? Should I give it to him? He's like, oh, so where are you from? I'm like, well, normally I tell people Boston out here because no one's going to know where I'm from, but a small little town called Peabody, Massachusetts. And he was like, you're from Peabody? He's like, I'm from Peabody. No. So then I'm like, what? He's like, yeah. He's like, all right, you got to come to my office this week. We got to chat. And I was like, okay. I go to his office. This guy's represented stars like his whole career. He was in a big agency in New York. Then he left there, started his own management company in LA and represented stars. And you just, in his bookcase was full of like thousands of scripts from all these films and TV shows his actors have booked him. And I was like overwhelmed, like, by this i'm this green actor and here's the big break and he was like hey i'll take you on because you know this is peabody the peabody and normally i don't do this because i take on oh, people that have awesome. more experience but you know we're from the same hometown i'm gonna help you out and so i got that that same week i was like you know what i have to stay because he was in the my manager at the time was encouraging me to stay and so i was like all right you know i'll um i gotta find a place to stay and i have to find a job that same week i called my h&m back in peabody and say hey I got this opportunity to move out to LA and to act and you know here's the dream coming true and I got to I got to you know move out here Come so to LA. Can I transfer oh. it to Glendale H&M? They have one job opening. Oh one. My God. And so Glendale is like if Peabody says yes, we'll take you. So I end up going to the Americana and and um, got the job there. Then I was like, well, I still need a place to stay. I can't come out here. Dude, this is meant to be. At that point, you're like, I got to find a house. <laughs> and then or a I, couch store. I, yeah, right. <laughs> I didn't even know about that back then. And then um, I go on Craigslist, and I think it was like the first or second um, place I hit up um, was this uh, little two-bedroom apartment in North Hollywood. And there was, uh, at the time, three people living there. It was like two guys to a room. And so the guy uh, that was renting the apartment to me was really chill and was like, you know what? Yeah, we got an opening. One guy just left, and um, come on through. So I got everything I needed to move out. So I moved, went back home, sold all my stuff, my car, all my stuff, and then I bought a one-way one-way plane ticket back and um haven't looked back since dude that's another incredible quintessential la story yeah that's crazy that we had a podcast on wednesday um his friend declan um rear-ended somebody in his car and it ended up being a casting director and this is in scotland of all places and he ended up being offered by this guy he rear-ended uh like hey come to this audition he's he wasn't an actor at all nothing he did sports his whole life he went to the audition like fumbled it like didn't memorize the lines didn't do anything uh but he got the job and then that led to one thing and led to another and then brought him across the across the atlantic to la wow just because he rear-ended somebody that's incredible <laughs> it was meant to be it you know, yeah, just like your story is meant to be, man. But there's so many, it's interesting, there's so many stories like that that people don't know about. So, like, it's almost like it's hard to believe and then you realize mm -hmm. that, you know, so many times in life, I think, things happen for you. Yeah. And I think people continue to think they happen to them 
like life happens for you not to you right and so i think it's only in retrospect you look back and you look back the last you know whatever five seven ten years of your life you're like there's so many times where things happened for me yeah and i didn't appreciate it at the time i just took it for what it was at face value Mm-hmm. And the reality is that it changed the course of my life in so many ways. Hundred percent. Like you moved across the country, you came to LA, the city of like you know entertainment. Um, and so on that note, I had um, I had a question like, you know, what's like to be in LA today? Like, what is the experience like? What are some of the good, the bad things? Um, obviously, this is the place to act. This is a place to build yeah. a, a career in entertainment. It's still today, you know, even though yeah. things have changed quite a lot. But it could also be a tough place. It could be a lonely place. 100%. So what have you experienced on both ends on that spectrum? That's a great question. A big question because there's there's so much. Yeah. There's so much. I've been out here in LA for, okay, I'm, I'm always, well, I'm okay at math, but um, I've been out here since 2015. So I think, gotcha. is that eight wrong? years now? Is that, that's eight years. Yeah. yeah. Actually, it's 20. We're in 2043. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Far in the future. Exactly. <laughs> I've been on here eight years and it's been, um, it has definitely been a journey. Uh, there's, I feel like LA has changed so much since when I first got here. Yeah. I, I think everyone can agree. Like it's definitely changed, especially because of the pandemic, obviously. But I feel like LA is one of those places where, cause I have this conversation sometimes with people on different sets and different markets. Like, so what's the market like out there? And then they ask me about LA and I, and I tell them, well, you know, LA is one of those places where a lot of people come out here and they're super, I, I was this way too. And then I've kind of reeled that in a lot. Um, but LA is a place where people are super duper career driven. It's like everything else is second and careers first. It's like, I have to be an actor and I have to be the best actor and I got to get an Oscar and I got to get the best agent and I got to, you know, be in circles of celebrities and influencers and all that stuff. And so it, what I've seen over the years and what I've experienced, um, some of the things I've seen have been some of the friends that I've had when I first moved out here, they moved back home and never came back. Uh, they gave up because it was too hard. Um, and these are people with big dreams, just like just like a lot of people you meet out here. And um, then you you meet some people, too, that are extremely hardworking. I have, I have like, and I'd probably say I have a handful of these friends that they're just they're on this other level where they just completely they don't let adversity get to them like times do get hard at times the bank account might get low eventually or at some point but they don't let that phase their drive and um they stay driven um i think that drive inside people in la in particular i think it's i think a lot of it's not good because they neglect other areas of their life like Mm -hmm. health like a lot of people you know I've been to, I used to do catering at different events and stuff. And what do I see some of these uh, celebrities at some of these events doing? Smoking cigarettes. Why? They're stressed. Yeah, yeah. They don't look healthy. There's a lot of stress yeah. in this industry. I, I remember I was on a, a long time ago and I was doing background on this show um, called uh, Seal Team. And I was talking to one of the stunt guys and we were having lunch together and he was telling me that, um, he was like, what do you think drives this industry? I was like, well, probably money and greed. He was like, no. He's like, fear. Interesting. Everyone in this industry yeah. is afraid of losing their job. They're afraid of getting blacklisted. Yeah. They're afraid of losing themselves, losing their morals. One thing I've learned that's a positive is how to say no. How to say no is so important. As no to like opportunities, to people, to... Yeah, just generally speaking, saying no is a good thing to practice because I... 
I was a yes man for a long time and I was a people pleaser. I always just wanted to please people. I wanted to avoid conflict. I didn't want to be anywhere near it. And I had to get out of that because it's it's not healthy saying yes to every single opportunity because you wear yourself thin. It's stressful. And you can't do 10,000 projects at once. You can't say yes to everybody. And some of these projects, over the years, there's been more than a handful of times where people have come to me with a project and they'll say, hey, we really want you to do this particular role. We think you're great for it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not really feeling that role. I've had agents do this. I've had producers tell me. I've had um, casting directors. I mean, you name it. Out of all types of people in the industry to, like, try to push me to do a particular type of role. And I would say no, and then they get pissed, and they're like, oh, well, you can't say no because you're up and coming and stuff. And I'm like, look, I'm not going to compromise myself for something I'm not comfortable with for just a mere thousand bucks for this role. Or there's one time I had an agent that um, she wanted me to uh, audition. For, I had an audition for this HIV campaign, and it was going to be basically um, all these photos were going to be put up in West Hollywood. So mm-hmm. I was like, I don't want my face on this campaign. I was like, nah, it was playing $10,000. 10,000. And she was like, come on, you can't say no to this. Like, this is a huge opportunity. And I was like, look, there's going to be more opportunities. I, I know there will be. It's it's LA. There's constant auditions all the time. We're, we'll be fine. And yeah, they got really pissed and we're just like, well, just gave me attitude about it and didn't like it. But I felt like I took a W there because I didn't compromise what I didn't want my face to be the um the face of they're represented by it. yeah because i think in this industry a lot of a lot of people get pushed into jobs out of fear of like oh well if i don't do this job then like maybe this is the one like you gotta i think people gotta get that out of their mind like this is the job that's gonna be my breakthrough it's like for me i went from when i first got out here having i had this mindset of i have to say yes to everything to now my my whole thing is if i um I don't worry. I don't put my career into the hands of people anymore. I put my career in the hands of God. And I just say, if God wants this opportunity for me to happen, then he'll... I would have said yes. Then, yeah, God. Yeah. Then it, it'll be a yes. If not, then no. Then that's fine. I've got a couple of um, kind of last last questions. Yeah. I'm going to leave the hard ones to the end. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I really like this one. Um, what's one idea or opinion that you have? It could be related to... You know, acting could be related to entertainment. Could be a personal thing that you feel that most people get wrong. Hmm. Some sort of contrarian belief or idea or opinion that you think really goes against the the common norms. That's a good question. We talk a little bit about morals. So it could be yeah, it could be one of those things, right? You got to lose your you got to lose yourself to be a part of this industry and succeed. Yeah, you know, that's for me. I'm a like I was saying before. I'm a big advocate now of saying no. I think I had a friend that told me uh, one time, she's like, "Hey, this uh, producer of this film that's shooting in Mexico is going to be on a resort. It's going to pay me X amount of money, a couple thousand. I'm going to be one of the leads." However, I was like, "Okay, well, you got to say no now because what's going to happen down the road when you're, you know, as big as Scarlett Johansson and they hand you a million dollar check? Are you going to say no to that? You going to say no to that? So it's like the more." You can get comfortable standing up for what you believe in. There's a, for me, there's a Bible verse that always like hits home with me. And it's like, what, what do you gain? What is one gain if they, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his soul? And for me, that's something that's like, 
it's it's something that I I never let this industry do to me. I, I never wanted to be lost in the industry just for the industry's sake because I think we see the same thing uh, rinse and repeat. And we see what do we see with celebrities? I'll give you two examples: Twitch and Robin Williams. Where did their they were some of the happiest looking people, some of the happiest. And where did their life end up with suicide? Yeah, I mean they. Well, they say that those that cannot be happy, they try to make others happy. Yeah, right? and and I think as performers in this industry, it's easy to become people pleasers because that's what we're kind of doing in a way. We're entertaining people, you know, through the TV screen or through comedy or through a podcast or through a, writing a book or whatever. So then we kind of have. We kind of always have to be on as like entertainment as entertainers because like someone like Robin Williams who's very, you know, out there, you know, I'm sure when he's out in public, you know, he always has to be that Robin Williams that yeah, we're so like used that to performance that role. Yeah, and for yeah. me, I think it's I think a lot of people compromise their morals, and I think that it's we're in a day now where you got to stand up for what you believe in. For me, it's I stand up for God and I stand up for uh, the principles in the Bible, and I don't let the industry. Um, run my life anymore. I let God do that. And so, you know, and for me, he gives me such a great foundation because entertainment is a very shaky foundation. You know, people will throw you under the bus in this industry. When you put all your hopes and dreams into a casting director or producer, then it's kind of like you're handing all, all the power over to that person. And for me, I'm like, you know, that, that takes off so much pressure off me when I'm like, hey, if it's meant for me, great. If it's not, great. <laughs> and I have a smile on my face either way. Because there's going to be an op- another opportunity out there. There will be. You know, you just have to keep your head up. For me, I just put my trust in God. And I think that, uh, yeah, that, I think that's that's something that um, I think people aren't really used to, I think, hearing in this industry. I love that. Just keep a smile on your face no matter what. No matter what. If it's a no or yes, smile. Because, hey, you know, you don't know. You could have done that job that, sure, maybe it's paying $50,000 and it's just, you know, this national commercial but maybe the director was some sketchy guy and you know yeah. something bad would have happened to you if you had taken that role you know who knows you never know why you a lot of times the knows that we get it's not because of our talent it's because we're not tall enough for the particular role or the actress that's in the film or commercial too she's too short and i'm too tall so it's going to be way off or mm-hmm. maybe they need someone who's actually bigger or someone who's taller or shorter or whatever you know, it's usually not because of talent. Like sometimes, sure, if it's that bad of an audition, then it's like, okay, you know, work on it and come back. You know, we'll give you another chance, but work on it. Work on your craft. But most of the time, it's not, in my opinion, because of talents, because you don't fi- fix, you don't fit the director's vision or the profile. client's pr- um, profile or whatever they're looking for. Bro, thank you for coming today. This was awesome. Thank you for I having love me. I hearing your point of view, and I love that. I love your positivity through all of it challenges changes you know um different crafts it's amazing to hear so i have one question for you shoot so i used to always i know i have long-winded answers but it's a podcast um (laughs) so we want you to talk um so i used to host these dinners um and i learned this from a guy named jason gaynard who has a podcast called community made and he did this in the business world so i took the same concept that he did and I was like I'm gonna do this in entertainment and it was wonderful and so basically what I would do is I would host these themed dinners so my first one I did was I found faith-based um people in entertainment so Mm -hmm. I have a friend of mine who's an agent who's Christian I have a producer friend who's produced a couple Christian films a writer and a stunt woman so I brought all these people together for dinner 
and we have this uncommon commonality together because and as jason gaynard says the more the uncommon commonality the stronger the bond so at the end of every dinner i'd ask the champagne question is what jason would call it the champagne question is this a year from today you and i meet with a bottle of champagne what are we celebrating we're celebrating that we were able to build a place where people like you feel more comfortable coming to yeah. and speaking with the same level of transparency and candor that you did today. I would be happy with that. I dig that. Thanks for the question, dude. You're welcome. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs>